fantastic time. <laughs> I don't know who my favourite is. It's either it's either the, the dad. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that was a wicked dad there. Yeah. I really hope I can dance that awkward drum so. <laughs> Or the priest. Now unfortunately I what's that? Good thing I'm talking loud enough. I'm, you're all hear me, hearing me. Fantastic. That's a bit better, isn't it? So, for sure, of course, obviously. Um, we're going to land in this uh, wedding, which I'm sure which was just as fun as that, but it's a bit of a throwback, a couple of thousand years, to the wedding that was happening in Cana in Galilee. So if you would like to read along with me, we're going to be in John chapter 2. If you want to get out your Bible or your uh, phone with your version app, Bible app, uh, John chapter 2, just kicking off from verse 1, we will be an epic fun wedding that took place in first century Jewish culture. The scripture starts like this. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any wine. Sounds like a Friday or Saturday night when you've invited some friends home. <laughs> oh no, we've got no wine. Unfortunately, back then, it wasn't as easy as a quick run down the road to the shops. You had to be a little bit more prepared. So they kind of didn't have a contingency. They didn't know what they were going to do. And so Jesus turns around to his mother and says, what does that have to do with you and me, woman? Like any courageous, brave son says to his mother, what's it going to do with me? Why are you talking to me about this? Oh, gosh, if I was game enough to... Anyway, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And then she turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars uh, that had been set there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. That's like 90 to 120 litres each. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told the servants. And so they filled them right up to the brim, just spilling over the top. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the head waiter. And they did. When the head waiter tasted the water after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water did know. He called the groom and told him, everyone sets out the fine wine first, then after the people are drunk, the inferior, but you have kept the fine wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum together with his mother, his brothers and his disciples and they stayed there only a few days. 
just to give some context to this, I'm going to be short and sharp because we've got some group discussion questions to, to gather around together, which is going to be fantastic. <laughs> Leading up to that little story was at the beginning of John, we, the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, <clears throat> the Word was God. And then we hear and meet John the Baptist, not the author of the Gospel, but John the Baptist, who was baptising people in the Jordan River. And upon seeing Jesus, he declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And, pe and Jesus picked up a few followers, namely Andrew, uh, Simon Peter, Nathaniel and Bartholomew, and headed down to Cana in Galilee, where Mary, Jesus' mother, was invited to this wedding. And I guess they kind of just got the surrogate invite. They went along as well, because, you know, Mary was going. <clears throat> So that's kind of what's happened in the lead up to this story. And what John is trying to communicate with us uh, through this story, it's the first of Jesus' signs, as we heard in the video before. He uses these as a metaphor to show us, as symbolism, this new, joyous, messianic age that Jesus is and will usher in. This idea of lavishness, of generosity of God through the metaphor of a meal, but not just a meal, a feast. So don't just think of Friday night dinner with friends. Don't even think of your wedding, unless you had like an amazing spread at your wedding. Even better than that. Isaiah 4 saw this and talked about this by sharing <clears throat> that it will be this absolutely marvellous feast. Choice meats, prime cuts, fine aged wine, the best vintage that you can think of. It will be absolutely lavish. And by performing this sign that Jesus did, he's giving us a glimpse, a foretaste of what that's going to be like. A little window into this lavishness of his grace. And so when we get to the group time, the first question that we're going to talk amongst each other is this. Can you think of a recent moment where God has given you a glimpse of his power or his glory, and how did it influence your relationship with him? So what was something that happened recently that where God gave you a glimpse of this wonderful, beautiful, lavish, generous feast that is his kingdom, and how did it influence your relationship with God? And so John <clears throat> sets the scene at this wedding. It's a lavish feast. It's kind of talking to um, the generosity of God. And, um, <clears throat> and even in the response to that generosity, we see the servants um, fill up the, fill up the, um, I've lost the word. Thank you. Fill up the wine barrels to the absolute brim, spilling over. Just another sign, another symbol. So as an aside, as we're reading through John and as we continue to read through John as we're going through the New Testament, look for the symbolism because that's a very, like that's front and centre a way in which, uh, or a technique that John is using to convey God's message. And so we have this picture of this feast, this generous, loving, gracious God um, <coughs> transforming water into wine. Another observation, another thing that um, John shows us is he shows us the way that Jesus engages people with his message. 
This is the first of a number of signs that Jesus shows towards this um, generosity, this lavishness, this love, this grace that he has uh, for the people of the world. Um, but what John emphasises in, um, in this first sign, in the telling of this story, is Jesus' deeds, his act, the, what he actually did. It's not until later in John's Gospel that he begins to focus on Jesus' teaching and that Jesus begins to engage with the religious leaders and teaching those who will come and hear him. It's first and foremost we see his signs, we see his deeds, we see how he acts. And it reminds me of this idea that, um, that just came to mind a while ago that hasn't left me. There's this idea that God wants us to show and then share Jesus with people. To show and then share. We've all heard that quote before that always preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And then at one stage I jumped on my high horse and was like, but you've always got to use words. And then I think as that, as that thought has continued to percolate, There's a pattern here that we see in John's Gospel that we see Jesus demonstrating, we see Jesus showing, we see Jesus uh, giving pictures of and symbols of what his love looks like, what his grace looks like, what the generosity of God looks like, and blessing people with that and showing people that, not asking anything in return. And then the opportunity to share is born out of that, comes out of that. And so that brings us to the second question that we're going to talk around, which is, does the concept of show, then share, affirm, challenge, or inform in any way how you express your faith in Jesus? Does this concept of show, then share, this pattern that we see in the early chapters of John's Gospel, does it affirm, does it challenge, or does it inform in any other way how it is that you share or express your faith in Jesus? And another really interesting thing that we see in this narrative is who John highlights and who it is that Jesus actually shares this uh, transformation, this miracle of transforming water into wine with the main character, the, the people that Jesus is focused on there is who knows? Who saw the water turn into wine? The servants, that's right. The servants got bossed around by Jesus' mother, Mary, who we would all be aware that in that, um, or most of us would be aware that in that first century Jewish culture, it was a very patriarchal society. So what did that mean about women's status? It meant that they sat under men. It meant that when we read about the 4,000 and the 5,000, we've got to articulate um, when we're talking about it that, oh, that didn't include the women and the children. And so Mary is telling the servants what to do. So the servants are pretty down the bottom of the barrel. And they're the ones that Jesus shows his power. That Jesus does a miracle right before their eyes. And it's interesting where Jesus was. Jesus was in, Jesus was just striking some thunder. Letting, letting me know he's listening, so I better get it right. I kid. So it's interesting that Jesus is talking to the servants. It's also interesting where Jesus is. It's interesting that Jesus is in Galilee. 
that is a Jewish wedding. It, it foreshadows what happens in Acts, where it's articulated that first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, then to the world. It's interesting that in this story, it's um, <clears throat> water that's turned into wine that's foreshadowing the death and resurrection of Jesus, that's pointing people forward to see the cross as the fulfilment of the sacrifice that Jesus is gonna make and the resurrection that Jesus is gonna defeat all the brokenness and all the fractured, um, fracturedness and the sin and the death. He's gonna drain that of its power and he's gonna rescue humanity into abundant life with him. And that's, this is the first sign. It's interesting that that points to his death and resurrection. It's then interesting that as they leave this place, he ends up in Samaria. This will be in uh, John um, chapter four, and he's talking to um, a Samaritan, someone who's hated by Jewish people. And he tells her, I'm gonna give you water that brings life. I'm gonna give you living water. And so from his death and resurrection, there is then um, <clears throat> the preaching of the gospel and the Holy Spirit coming down and inaugurating the church and the Holy Spirit, a symbol for the Holy Spirit is often water. And so I share this so that as we journey through the gospel of John and we look for the symbols, we can see that there is, that is loaded um, with symbology of what God wants us to focus on, where God wants us to draw our attention and that ultimately is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so it kind of unravels like peeling an onion. There's layers to it. So it talks about, um, so this story kind of gives us an insight into that's what Jesus' entire ministry in Galilee is going to be. But then as I just mentioned, the purpose of his mission, the preaching of the gospel into all the world. And so that leads to our third question that we're going to explore together. That was very quick. Good job. What next step can you take with someone else to share a glimpse of God with them? To share a glimpse of God with them. The whole point of this passage was it summed up nicely and neatly in the last verse of it, that the disciples saw what the miracle that Jesus had done and they believed. You know, and this day and age when we say we believe, it's just like, oh yeah, I think that's your truth, whatever. Back in that day, believe meant that they obeyed, that they followed, that they, were, that they were disciples fully sold out. This is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the one that's come to redeem and save humanity, and we're following him. So what next step can you take with someone else to share a glimpse of God with them that might convey some of what John has shared with us in this um, small passage of Scripture? So let's take, did you do this format last week as well? Yep, cool. So as we've done the last couple of weeks, we're going to take the next little while to gather together groups, minimum of four, five or six, so there might be two or three groups of us. Um, we'll all jump in. We'll have a little warm-up question for one minute to kick off. If you could rename yourself, what would you choose? So don't spend any more than a minute, but think quick. Give that an answer that'll get us all warmed up and and chatting and then we've got the three questions there that we'll spend a, f a good few minutes each in just getting around the scripture if you've um got any questions feel free to ask me um i've sat in the text for a little bit of 
got some commentary and that sort of thing that's kind of built, helped me build up what I've just talked about um, that hopefully might be helpful um, as we get deeper in discussion. But let's jump into two or three groups now, minimum of four, ideally six, and we'll, uh, we'll get around these discussion questions together.